This is JFM Podcast. Very good evening to you and welcome to the program Nigeria Sunset on J101.9 here in Jaws. My name is Ponsak Fanab. It's a beautiful uh, Tuesday evening. Today, 22nd of August 2023. Uh, Gilbert Joseph, good evening. How are you? I'm fine, Ponsak. Good evening. The month is fast spent from, you know, what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can't help but to be grateful. So I think that's the most important thing. And um, quite interesting, quite interesting stuff. Um, expected so much rainfall today, as usual, because of the heat, the intensity of the heat. Yeah, I mean, it was warm in well, the morning. I said that it feels like June or yeah. May. It feels like June or May. Uh, since morning, it has been very warm. I said, what's going on? Uh, I mean, it's just like yesterday. True. You know, yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, when I was driving back home, I took the back route, you know, and, <laughs> Uh, just around the Atiku Junction mm-hmm. review, then I mean, rain just enveloped, <laughs> you know, me and uh, such a beautiful, yeah, sight, Gilbert. And there's a way the rains, you know, ring in your ears when you're in a zinc rooftop, yeah. Uh, that was what I felt yesterday. And well, thankfully, I got home because I'm allergic to, to rainfall. Sorry to say, yeah. but I love it. <laughs> I mean, I love it when it, I mean, it's only when it rains that how I wish people know how to cut the lawns, you know. Okay, we don't, even, we don't even have lawns in Nigeria. I don't think we have lawns. <laughs> you know, you see... And it's funny, the kind of big men we have around uh, is very interesting. Someone will buy three plots of land. I mean, land is very cheap. If you tell an American or a British or someone from the West that you own a land in Africa, <laughs> you are, they see you as a rich man <laughs> because land is very expensive. Precious. You see, someone yeah. will build you know, a home without even vegetation. There's no space for lawn, no space for garden. And even if there's space, then they'll pay their money to buy interlocks to come and lock the whole place <laughs> instead of you to, you know, allow grass. And when the grass is a bit grown and then you train them, you know, they'll be nicely. You know, well. <laughs> you're, sp- you're speaking as though, you know, you're in the spirit of the minister of the FCT. I know. <laughs> I'm not in the spirit. I'm in my own spirit. I'm not going to bring anybody's <laughs> home down. Well, Gilbert, what is interesting news have kept you uh, going through the day? It definitely has to be, you know, so much about these newly sworn-in ministers. Yesterday, unfortunately, we didn't have, you know, the time to speak about that so much. But I, I watched a video clip of some of the events that took place. You could see some of those individuals prostrating before the president, you know, and I was like, I mean, was that a favor of some sort? Or what exactly were they up to that you would come to acknowledge um, your portfolio before the president and then you just get to prostrate before him uh, I was just trying to put one and two together and see how it was going to make sense but it really didn't unfortunately and then of course the fact that the FCT minister himself got a standing ovation 
I think he did not see that coming in any way. You know, largely perhaps due to the role he played as governor and then, of course, in the build-up to the election and all of those. But um, I think those were some of the events that caught my attention, really, and the fact that there has been so much hue and cry about the portfolio of some of these individuals. Of course, we spoke about this the very day their portfolios were announced, and the biggest amongst all of them has to be Festus Kiamu, Minister for Aviation and Aerospace. Mm -hmm. You know, is it security, they call it now. You just can't imagine that someone as sensitive as, and the fact that the, the word aerospace comes to bear, you know, in that office, it means you should have had a proper individual. When I mean proper, I mean someone with a good knowledge, hands-on knowledge of the aviation sector. We have had people who flew aeroplanes and retired. You know, we have had people in this country who have a good grasp of the issues in that ministry. If you really wanted to, well, it could end up being a compensation like certain people have said. In the end, in the end, the things we said we say wouldn't matter. Yeah, well, uh, the ministerial uh, portfolio really, really interesting. I expected, you know, the likes of Bio Onanuga, you know, to make the list, you know, the uh, and, and you know, lot of others. But I don't know the thinking behind, you know, the president. But from the news we're scooping, you know, uh, it's like I mean, like I said yesterday, the cabal is about to be formed <laughs> in Aso Rock again, you know. Uh, the likes of Femi Bajabiamila and uh, the uh, no, national security, you know, mm-hmm. advisor. And uh, the interesting thing is that they are all Muslims. If you want to look at, you know, that, um, well. The Labour Party, NNPP, and PDP are already muting the idea of forming a margin. Gilbert, what do you think about that? I think if they're really serious about capturing power, it's the way to go. And regardless of some of the infractions we did see, you know, I'm sorry, Gilbert, sorry to interrupt, but I, I hate that phrase grabbing power. The APC, we thought, had fantastic ideas for Nigerians. Mm. When they grab power in 2020. Now, now, Pansak, I, I, I budge in again. But, but they... In they, your they, submission. They threw you like 130, how many million Nigerians very into true, abject Very policy. true. First and foremost, because you said the NNPP, the Labour Party, and the PDP. Yeah. And I'm looking at these individuals as, um, should I say, power players or power brokers. And that is why I said grabbing power, capturing power, and not necessarily in this context, factoring we the people mm. in that mathematics. Mm. So um, I, I revert again. If they're really serious about capturing power or recapturing power, they have to form this alliance. And regardless of some of the loopholes that we saw in the part of INEC in the last general election, um, some of the you know things that permitted that operation in quote here, it's to the effect that there was so much division in the part of the opposition, and it is why you see the ruling party at the end of the day trying to blackmail these political parties because of their division. You had NNPP locking down Kano State. Yeah. It became a huge selling point for the ruling APC. You know, they had to just defend some of the reasons why they won the election. And you see the PDP, the issue of the governor, Wikis and G5, the integrity group, comes to play again. So, these are some of the 
undoings of the opposition party. Perhaps the stories would have been telling would be different right now. But the fact that they were divided in their rank and file meant the APC were able to do, um, you know, the match for themselves and a match eventually with the result that we saw them. But if the opposition can reunite and forge a common front and perhaps even infiltrate the ranks of the ruling APC to get a few individuals who would contribute to their um, common goal, then at the end of the day, they might mount a really strong challenge for the APC and give them a good run for their money, perhaps. Well, interesting thoughts there. Uh, well, let's see how it's all uh, going to pan out. Atiku Konkoso and Peter Obi, they are all ambitious people. You know, the question yesterday I was asking some friends. Who that, will? Who will emerge, you know? Yeah. Uh, but obviously it's going to be maybe perhaps Atiku because he has more money than them. And he made the first move. Yeah. You know, at, he visited Rabbi Musa Konkoso yeah. himself. So if someone is able to come forth but in do you that think, way, let, let me ask you this very inter- uh, interesting yes, question. Yes. In the event that Atiku said, look, I'm too old, well, um, let me know. Yes, yes. This is but just Atiku permutation. Said, yeah, Atiku, mm-hmm. you know, would tell both uh, uh, Obi and Konkoso to say, look, I just want to oversee things. I want Obi to deputize for Konkoso mm-hmm. or I want Konkoso. Or you guys go and sit Obi. down. Yes. Go and sit down. You know, Lock them agree. down in a room. Yeah, and mm-hmm. agree. Who is going to uh, be president and vice? Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. Really interesting. Really interesting. But back to the previous puzzle again. Kwan Kwaso doesn't look like an individual who would, you know, accept to deputize, deputize for Peter Obi. And it, it, the reason why I'm saying this is... Now, if you, if, if you present him with uh, the political calculation, the mm-hmm. permutation, mm-hmm. say, look, this is the reality mm-hmm. on ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, to say, if... Konkoso, you deputize for me. I mean, uh, is, I'm going to galvanize, you know, all of the votes from South, South and uh, Southeast, and then Konkoso, you bring uh, the one from the Northwest. I think that is going to be well. Either way, is going to be very interesting. yeah, really interesting. Either way, is going to be now, very. Now let's look at some of the issues again. Back to the pre-election period, the campaign periods, and all of that. Mm-hmm. You remember doing Okupe coming up to say, look, we had a conversation with the NNPP and with Konkoso Rabi Musa and his entourage entirely mm. and told him that look for social reasons you can't have president Buhari do eight years and another n- northerner do eight years again or perhaps even another four years it will be unfair in the interest of equity which has often been sunk and Kwankwaso was able to tell them that look guys in terms of political experience I was two time governor I was senator I was a minister of mm-hmm. the federal republic mm. now let's bring the resume of Peter Obi again he was just but a governor of an Ambra state. What else has he gotten in terms of political profile? Let's look at it from the academic point of view. I'm a doctor, a PhD holder. What has this fellow got to offer? You know, so these were some well, Peter of Peter will say that he's just a trader. Yeah, he's just a trader. And he has certain certifications that would not qualify him to be addressed as a PhD holder, perhaps, you know, and I think that was a shortfall um, in his part. I, I, I really don't make, you know, any sense of that right now. But in the end, if only they can be true to themselves and accept to set aside their interest and look at the bigger picture, I think it will be an interesting development, perhaps even if the APC falters to deliver for the people of Nigeria and then people clamor for change. And if they're able to put their heads together and their house in order, we might see an interesting move. I think what Peter Obi should start doing is that, uh, especially if he's thinking about 2027, yeah. if you look at his support base in uh, the last election, uh, young people, sure. urban Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly young urban people 
of uh, the Christian faith. Sure. He didn't have, you know, uh, much, you know, penetration into other, you know, communities of different creed and, you mm-hmm. know, things like. So, and especially in northern Nigeria, it should really penetrate the north. It should understand how uh, the person from the north, you know, thinks. In the north, he only penetrated, you know, uh, the fault lines of the north, which is religion. But if he truly wants to make a mark, you know, uh, that is how politicians, you know, think. What in Buhari resonated with the poor people of the north? Uh, he didn't even care about the elites in the north because the elites, you know, know who he uh, is. But, you know, the little guys, you know, uh, in 2011, they'll say he's Buhari. Since when he even started contest, started, began contesting, you know, uh, the presidency to, as far back as 2003. So he penetrated. But as to whether, you know, he help the uh, the poor of the north well the poor in the north you know uh, know the better answer know the answer better than uh, I do for example so uh, I think that you know people especially politicians should really they should sit down and think very critically because it's winning people to your side. It's not about, I mean, you may have the fantastic ideas, but how about, you know, making the people love you? That is, you know, one uh, issue. But that merger is going to be very interesting. Really, really something to look at. And he came out yesterday to say half of the things that his supporters have heard are rumors. But back to some of the, you know, suggestions you made, Ponsan. I fancy those ideas. But at the end of the day, uh, you have... For example, the situation with former President Muhammadu Buhari, there was nothing he was ever going to do to endear himself to the Deep South. So he always knew this. And I just think that it's the same thing with Peter Obi. Yeah. And for President Muhammadu Buhari... I mean, coming out with uh, his vice... Uh, uh, I forgot to... Uh, uh, no, no, no. Um, in 2003, 2007, he always came out with Ebos. Yes, yes. He was uh, always Ebo running mates. Yeah, that's true. I, but he doesn't have I, I can't penetration. Remember that. Yes. He doesn't yes. have penetration yes. in the yes. South East. True, true. Yeah, same thing with uh, Peter Obi. And that Very is why Tinubu will boast to say, I made you president. You came to me crying. <laughs> Because I mean, he just gave him the votes from the southwest, bam, uh, northwest, northeast, and then they shared, you know, in the north central. Buhari became president. Let's play this insert from uh, Mr. Tanko, spokesman for Peter Obi. Uh, he's talking about the merger. When we come back, we have an erudite public intellectual. He's an evangelist as well. Uh, he's a farmer. Uh, when we come back, the show will continue. Stay here. Let me make a clarification. When you talk about merger. It means that political parties from different parts of the country comes together, submit their document to INEC, and then they will be now pronounced as a new political party. So, and that is not obtainable at the moment. So, merger is out of the question, technically. But when you talk about discussion with a possible working alliance with a political party, very true. That is very possible. And don't forget, up initial right before the election of the 25th of February, uh, this discussion has already been ongoing before the, the election took place. So discussions with political parties of like men who believe in the ideology and the principles of the Labour Party is a welcome development. And then we will continue to talk to ourselves. Because knowing fully well that Nigeria is at the doldrum of complete decay. And so... Most political parties who are progressively minded will not allow that particular situation to happen in Nigeria. And so, therefore, there is a need for a lot of people, not even the political party, those in the civil society, those who believe in Nigerian emancipation of uh, people from the shackle of poverty, will definitely come together and see how we can wrestle power to the right into the interests of the Nigerian people. That is very possible. As I said earlier on, even before the election, there were discussions. 
We've had meetings with several political party leaders. In fact, 16 of them, registered political party. Now, what is possible, I will not say ABC is right on the table at the moment because we need to have these particular facts before we can go public about it. At the moment, what I know very sure is that we are having discussions with ourselves. But to say probably there is a foreclosure on the matter, not yet. Beyond even the two political parties. The, the challenge for Nigeria is beyond two political parties. One political party has been able to guard Nigerians, lie to them, manipulate them, use every resources, whether stolen or taken, or legitimately theirs, taking it unto their interest and against the interests of people, thereby mediating it and also depicting democracy in a very bad light. And that is not totally acceptable to everybody. Most of us want Nigeria to be on the right track. All I know is that we've had discussion up in issue, but at the moment, I cannot foreclose that, yes, there is discussion, because until when there are t- discussions that are right on the table, it will be publicly announced to everybody. We're glad you're still here. The program is Nigeria at Sunset. My name is Ponsak Fanam. And my name is Gilbert Joseph. Of course, your number one station, J101.9 FM here in Jaws. We have Paul Gindry Woodyama. Good evening. Thank you very much for coming, sir. Good evening, Plateau State. Good evening, Nigeria. Good evening, listeners out there. Well, uh, I don't know where to start from, but uh, perhaps you would like to talk about, you know, prologue before we uh, dive deep. You know, what do you... Do you think a merger is possible, Labour Party, NNPP, and you know, PDP? You know, the understanding the 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 political terrain of northern Nigeria mm-hmm. is very key to any politician that is coming from the Middle Belt or from the South. Uh, a mistake has been done earlier when they started making the move. Uh, in Hausa land, there's what we call Ubantafia. Madugu. Yeah, well, thank you. In in politics, mm. you know, you 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 send. What some... does that translate to? <laughs> Madugu is Obantafia. Yeah, Obantafia. Oh, oh, a forerunner. Oh, oh, good. A forerunner, or we can call that um, uh, the Jagaba, <laughs> or an emissary. Okay. That that is the the word. Okay. Oh, but Obantafia can be like a godfather. You understand behind you. That, that gives you his blessing and tells you, okay, go ahead, do this. And a lot of people listen to him. So they will say, ah, this is my son, you know, walk with him. So people go with that. We have that culture in Northern Nigeria. In, that's why the British were, were able to rule Northern Nigeria by proxy. But in the South, everyone is a king by himself. So a mistake was done when an emissary was sent to to uh, Rabiu Musakonko, so from Peter Obi, from the start. You know, you should have looked for his Ubantefia and spoken with him and said, ah, this is my intention, and I think it will be best for both of us. So the Ubantefia will say, ah, leave Kano, come to Kaduna and meet me. He will come down to Kaduna. Peter Obi will be here in the parlor, sitting down. That's how you do politics. And I say, yeah, you know, Musa Konkoso would have to listen to his his uh, his foreigner or his, his his godfather. You know that that's how politics is in northern Nigeria. So people in the south, I've I've been in Abga in the past. I I I, I went for House of Reps. You know, came third in the polls. You know, uh, 
my experience with working with Igbo people in Abgal is they don't anything outside eastern Nigeria they don't really understand it when it comes to politics you know so that is a minus for them which I think with this last election that has happened they are beginning to wake up to reality to say okay let's make adjustments and let's do this I believe a merger if they do will be good for Nigeria uh, because uh, seasons change your tactics of uh, politics will change you don't you don't hunt a, a, a rabbit with with an uh, with an old dog a young rabbit with an old dog you look for a young dog to hunt a, a young rabbit so that that's how it is so I believe a merger will be good but they need to really understand how politics in northern Nigeria is for a merger to to emerge all right yes. um let's come back home and look at some of the steps taken so far okay. by the Musfang administration and I know you would like to review certain things that are taking place in the past but let me just jump you a bit to the recent events. Mm. First off the palliatives you know that the National Economy Council had proposed and the governor came out to say he has received 2 billion naira you know as part of the 5 billion naira proposed for the palliatives. Mm. And in his words, it's not free lunch. So he has to account for it. 52%, according to him, is grant. And of course, the NEC said that too, and 48% is loan, meaning that it would be repaid at the end of it all. How would you like to see some of these monies disbursed, especially factoring in the reality that it was conceptualized for the poorest of the poor? Hmm. It's a credit facility now. Let's look at it in that sense. I think there, there has been a system with the incubation center in the past, and there, there's the, the entrepreneurship center, which we have here at uh, the British America, which is called uh, Plus, Plus Chema. Uh, there, there are a lot of young people that have applied. Is it Plus Mida? Plus Mida, sorry. Sorry. So a, a lot of young people in the past have have engaged themselves in those places and have tried small and medium scale businesses I believe if part of it is the loan those loans should be channeled towards that angle and if you have our people that are in Riom, Barikin Ladi uh, um, Mangu Bokos that have been displaced from their homes I believe those monies should be looked at in that direction to cushion the effect and the pains that they're going through. Uh, that's basically for me. If if I would take a step, that is the direction I'll take well, this step. Now, the, the puzzle here is yes. Udiyama. It's a loan facility. I know. Now, if you consume, mm. how would you pay that back? Though if you heard me properly, I said the part that okay. is a grant oh, should oh. be given out to people that are suffering out there. But the part that is alone should be channeled through the, the medium that I'm talking okay. about okay. for entrepreneurs so that they can do business. And it should be a loan that should be less than, it should be a single interest digit. It shouldn't be more than 10% interest rate. It should be lower. That, that is how you develop a place. We're already, for crying out loud, we're already indebted by 315, getting to 320 billion naira. 
So how do you start revamping your economy? How do you get things working? So that is the direction I would take if I had an opportunity of doing that. All right. I know that you're a grassroots person, and we're going to look at the security situation in the state. We were speaking earlier with you, you know, about some of the trips the governor made and the after effects of those trips. And we now have him saying that, look, he has committed already to rejuvenate the Operation Rainbow. He has started taking strides in that direction. Um, what is the situation so far? You are not a security personnel, um, but from your relationship and connection with people at the grassroots level, what do you know so far and what can be done differently? You know, uh, actually, Operation Rainbow, when it started, it's meant to be an information center for the security of the state, to disseminate uh, security information to the military, the police, and all of that. But over time, that aspect has been neglected. I believe they are taking the stance from that point. They don't want to go head-on so that they have a clash of interest with the security apparatus that is already in the state. That's why he made a visit to the force headquarters, spoken with them, and the after effect is you have the, the chief of army staff coming to Plateau to to psych up his own boys to work properly. And you had uh, the the IG coming too. So those are the after effects. And then, you know, there's a morale for equipment that should be given to these soldiers out there to perform. But you know, there's already distrust in within the, this, once you have from 2001, we've had military presence within our, our our communities from just north to just south spreading to other places uh, you would have a lot of miscreants within the army that would cause problems that would affect the relationship within the communities. We've seen that happen in Afghanistan with the Americans and the Afghan people. It has happened in Syria. It has happened in Iraq. It's still happening in Jaws because we don't trust these people anymore. Uh, there are times that you can lay a call and say, okay, there's a place that has been attacked. We need your assistance. Come protect. And they would say, we've not had an order from the headquarters, you know, things like that. We've had stories of, and women would march out on the street, block the road, and protest for the death that we have experienced. But uh, I believe the the situation uh, is partly, I know, economical. Any crisis in any place is economical, which spins out to political and it goes into religious at some point in time. So, but at this. Uh, where we are, where they are trying to manage the situation. I, I, they, I know they had a stakeholders meeting, which was uh, yesterday or Monday. Yesterday. Yeah. So they had, and then they had a security meeting, which was done in closed doors. We we won't have an idea. They would disclose all of that. But I think the situation in Mangu is getting calm. Although it's hurting that uh, people can't really farm like they used to, in Barrick and Ladi, the same thing is happening. But thank God that the security forces are, are intervening. Yeah, so, uh, yeah and, and as a farmer, what is your prediction, especially when it comes to output in food production? Already maize is about 1,000 or over 1,000 per mudu. Yeah, as we speak right you, now, you know, and it's out of reach for many families. The problems that we have with, uh, you know, once once we talk about farming, we we only look at it from crop farming alone. 
we don't yeah, there's at, livestock. Yeah, we, we know that there's livestock. And government from from past, from the last national policy we've had, there's no government that has done a concise uh, investment heavily in agriculture. We just say, ah, we... We, we give fertilizers, we do this, we have these programs, but these programs are not, are not done properly. Uh, it's a rollover we're doing. We don't have a state plan. We should have a state plan for agriculture. First things first, you need to know what arable land do you have that we can farm. If, uh, as a consultant, what you do first is, if you have 100 hectares of land for the whole of Plateau State, for example, let's say the whole... Just an example, you have 1,000 hectares of land in the whole of Plateau State. You'd say, okay, what portion of this 1,000 hectares is for farming? Crop farming for or crop, livestock? No, no, for both crop and, and livestock, livestock farming. Okay. So you look at the potential first. Then when you see that potential, you go to the next point, which is, okay, which one is already in production because there are lands that have not yet been developed and erosion has already destroyed those lands. So you really need to put investments in those places to revamp those soils for it to give us a good output. So you, you have to do those calculations. Do we have a team from the Ministry of Agri doing this, carrying out this research to know our, our output? Do we know the exact output that Plateau has? We don't have data. Once you don't have data, you cannot make proper policies. You cannot make proper uh, projections. And you can't know, you can't even attract proper investment in the agri sector because they need data. They need to know exactly, okay, these are trouble spots. These are things that we need to solve. This, we, we, we've used organic fertilizer in this place. They have spoiled it. We've used this kind of herbicide. We, we have uh, residues in the soil. This research should be done. Yeah, but do you think the, I mean, the governor gave order to ASTC to say cultivate 90 hectares you know, of land. Mm. Do you think 900? that has nine hundred? Yeah, nine hundred. Yeah, thank you for the correction. Okay, well, if, if do you think that has been done before? You know that order? No, no, it hasn't. But you need to. So you, you, you need to back up based on your expertise. Are you saying that there's gonna be a policy somersault uh, because much thinking wasn't uh, adopted? You know, insane because the governor just said go and cultivate nine hundred hectares. Where's the money to cultivate the nine hundred hectares? No, but that's what he said. <laughs> do you understand? Yeah. Already we're already indebted by 357 billion. Do, do you understand? According to the transition report. Thank you. If, if we are indebted by that, where do you have the money to, to put into agriculture? Where is the security that secures the people on the land? Where do, even the livestock farmers, where is the security for us to, to have a proper production? You cultivate lands with tractors. You cultivate it with diesel. You cultivate land with, with fertilizer. You cultivate land with, with herbicides. How do you do that? Where is the manpower? Do we have that opportunity? There are farmers out there. Are those loans made available for them to cultivate this land? ASTC as a unit, yes, has equipment that they can use to say, okay, let's go do this. But is the equipment adequate to cultivate that quantity of land? And, you know, it, it, let's, let's go back to, to what happened to Ben-Gurion in Israel. Mm -hmm. 
the when they came back in 1958 one of the first 48 thing, 1948 so, yeah. sorry <laughs> after the war after the war yeah. the first thing they did was to 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 cultivate land which they had a a mindset which they all grew up with they said this land is flowing with milk and honey so every israeli that came back home at that point in time when they cultivated they had a poor result that came out it was devastating for the whole cabinet of israel so they sat down and they were saying, this is already a failure for us. We need to just look at other, other options. We go back to Europe, we go to other places. Ben-Gurion stood up and said, see, if, even if our forefathers told us this and it's a lie, we have to make it a reality. So one of the first things Israel did was to go into technology. Nanotechnology. And they did that and it took them nothing less than 10 years to revamp the soil in Israel. And they were able to achieve that. So what have we done as a state to revamp? Number one, we need to have knowledge exchange. We need to keep our doors open. There's an incident that happened with the Czech Republic people. They came in during La Long's time. They, they came with an offer for an exchange program for agriculture and for mining. They spent about a year in Plateau State and they were not even entertained. So at this point in time, when you go back to Czech Republic, when you mention Plateau State, nobody listens to you. So this, we have a bad name out there. We have a terrible name out there as Plateau people, not even as Nigerians. We are talking as Plateau people. Or the government of Plateau The State. government, no, but it, it rubs off on you and I. Mm -hmm. Even if I have a business opportunity and I go to Czech Republic today and I'm discussing this, where are you from? I'm, I'm proud of saying I'm from Jaws. Say just those people. That's the first thing they would say. But it's about regime, yeah. Yeah, I know it's a regime regime change. But at this point in time, they need to start making strides to other places. Okay, and those places to to make amends to to start opening doors and to have exchange programs so okay. that we can revamp, revamp our lands. Do you, do you trust that, you know, this money that uh, I came into Plato, do you trust uh, that it's going to be judiciously used? Because again, uh, for me, I've always asked, why is the social register? Do we have a social register? We don't. You know, the only structure that I know that uh, politicians use, you know, to get to the grassroots is their political party. Yeah. But do you trust that, you know, this money will really reach to those in their needs? This money is even small in the first place. Five billion. <laughs> it's small. It's small. Sir, to agriculture, to for us to revamp. Val no, 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 no. What I'm to, saying is that to give, you know, palliative. To, to give yeah. palliative. Uh -huh. It's how many plateau citizens do we have? We already have thirty thousand displaced people only in Mongo. So divide that by by how many billion? Five. By five billion. How much do we have? It's 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 just. And then look at uh, inflation rate. And then you look at the exchange rate of the dollar and you don't have the security for you to be able to go out. I think policies should be, governors should start asking the president to do a round down effect on the, on the Naira. What do I mean? If you have one billion Naira in your account, you knock off the zero. It becomes a hundred million Naira. The, the, that is how you do it. But and then the, the Indomie in the market that is at 150 naira, you knock off the... So it becomes what? 
it becomes a 15 naira. Udiyama, let's get back to Ponsak's words. <laughs> yes. Accountability, judiciously. <laughs> yes. Now, crazy and stupid maths here. Mm. What's the population of Plateau State? Uh, about 4.8 billion. If you are going 4. to... 4.8 million. Okay, if you are to give every Plateau citizen <laughs> a millionaire, don't you think... Just crazy thing there. Don't you think it will go a long way? It will go a long way for prudent and productive people. But someone that is not prudent and productive will waste that money. But it will still be money recycled within Plateau. Because uh, a prudent person is just like the the... Uh, the, the parable that was talked about of those guys that were, were given ten, five, and one talent. Uh, some multiplied, some refused to. One just buried it. So you would have that kind of attitude within Plato. So judicious use, even to states, we can use states as those individuals. There are states that have already engaged their monies into uh, uh, let's use Zulum as an example. He already has bosses before uh, before this palliative came up. But at the end of the day, he's thinking of, okay, well, what infrastructure, what program should I do? We need to start thinking about going beyond collecting palliatives. We have the capacity as a state to develop. There are people that have ideas and business ideas that can generate revenue for Plateau State to move Plateau State ahead. We shouldn't go back to the same mistakes our, our forefathers have done to always receive subventions from the central government. We should be giving out monies to the, to the central government. Plato should have been feeding Nigeria at this point in time if we had had our acts together in this situation. But reverse is the case, that we're always flying to Abuja or to get palliatives for our people. It's a shame. When I used to know that... Uh, uh, the governor of Lagos, uh, the Moboladi Johnson, would ask J.D. Gomok for, for, for financial assistance. When money is come, he returns it back to Plato. That's happened here. So why is the, the story turned about today? Because we are, our leaders in the past have, have made a mistake. At this point in time, our leaders that are mounting the mantle now shouldn't make that mistake. They should look forward to, okay, how do we generate income from within? We have resources from within. All right, let, let's, let's talk about civil servants in Plato, especially mm. state, are saying that they are to be paid. Mm. Uh, but we are thankful that these uh, workers of, of the local government have been, some local government are up to date in payment. Yeah. Uh, some is just one month, you know, uh, still owing. But in Plato, when Governor Murfan came, staff verification, he openly told us that 500 million naira has been saved, you know, mm. uh, because of the staff verification. But the state government is still, you know, owing. People are not being paid. Uh, and people are suffering. People have demands, you know, to be met. Mm. Uh, the inflation is biting, you yeah. know. Uh, people have gone into debt just to keep, uh, uh, sustain their families. Yes. What do you think, for me, is it, is it, what do you think could possibly be the problem that civil servants, state civil servants are still, you know, yet to be paid? Uh, I think one of the problems was the time they took for the selections for the commissioners. And uh, the NLC needs to make more statements, need to go out there and really talk to to to, to the government. I think there are civil servants that owe up to four months in Plateau State, some five. Uh, some just got their salaries for one month. One some, month, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, 
if they were able to save 500 million, I, I believe that should have gone into the civil service. So who is advising our governor from, from the point of financial distributions? That kind of person should be held responsible, should be... No, we didn't vote for that person. No, we I voted know. For I know. He's, he's, in, he's in the forefront. You know, the governor is the, in the forefront. So he has to take the brunt. He has to take the heat of this. He needs to pay more attention to paying salaries because it was hard negotiation for him to even get to the, the civil servants to go back to work. So it would be bad for us to go back to that same situation because I know there are businesses that have failed and are not working because my salaries have not been paid and there are businesses that, that survive based on some ministries. Mm. And without those ministries functioning, those businesses can't work. So, uh, and everything has been on a slow-mo for, for Plato. Why do you think? Is it leadership style or you, you know, maybe the governor is yet to find the rhythm, the I, perfect you know, leadership you rhythm? You know, I, it's a problem with Plato from the past. I know we, we, we have this conservative nature to a lot of things. No, but Governor Zhang didn't do that. I mean, no, when the man came, he knew no, I, what... I said most governors. Okay, most governors. I, okay. I didn't say all of them. Okay. You know, so they, they, it's, a, it's a British mentality. It's, it's, they, they want to say, I want to do things by the book. You know, I there's this uh, uh, lifestyle you come with a proposal they say, ah, we've seen many proposals in the past you're in hunger you don't, you don't have the capacity to, to develop uh, even a, an idea you know and I appreciate what he said during his elections that they would want to run this government with ideas is that not what they, they promised us? Now you're in office. I know there are a lot of people that are coming with ideas. There are a lot of people that are coming to, to, to say, okay, these are the ideas. But there are, there are, there are a lot of bottlenecks. There, there's what we call gatekeepers, which, like, you know, Enzori. Enzori, do you make the governor available to people that have ideas? You see, what you're looking for in Lagos or Potakot or Abuja is here in Jos. We have the potential here in Jos. See, we, we have our, 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 our youths, our, our, our people in diaspora that, that have what it takes to, to transform Plateau. So sometimes there are things, our people, the gatekeepers, what they do is they make the governor look so very busy. They make the, the, the commissioners look very, very busy so that you don't even have access to those people. You have these ideas, you get frustrated, and then other states are calling you with, with ideas and say, ah, no, we, we, we heard this idea. How can, how can we... Use your ideas to make money. That's it, just what so it is. That, that's it. So most ideas that are meant to build Plato go outside Plato. That is, you know, money is involved, but you're spending the money in Plato. <laughs> well, we've been having a chat with uh, Paul Gindry, Woody Yama. Interesting conversation. Yeah, you can join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you, 081-2187-7777, or you call 90 Gilbert. And um, on Facebook, AJFM Live. On Twitter, we're AJFM Joss. Let's take the first call. Hello. Thank you for calling. Thank you very much. This is the place of Angwaru for our great comrade Dado Antiba Solomon. We're listening. Thanks for calling. God bless you, my brothers. Uh, you, your guests have spoken very, very well. Well, for example, we are all in Nigeria. The issue of margin uh, between all other uh, candidates, as uh, your guests, what the uh, boys will play before, we have said the truth. 
So, but uh, we, no matter what, no matter how it is imagined, it can never be against the law, the electoral law. Where are they going to put the 25%? Where well, the law will take its course? Uh, again, I want to say something about uh, this issue of uh, 5 billion naira and the guests have said. I have said this long ago. I said, any governor who will share this money, I want to believe that the governor will be corrupt. Because 5 billion naira, I want to believe, and I always said, let them inject it uh, in a project that will sustain and for future use. And I'm saying this, sir. If workers are not paid, both from the national level and the state level, and let me narrow to that state, they are busy buying cars, expensive cars for state house of assembly and even the national assembly, and they will be telling Martin that we should exercise pension, exercise pension. So, process. in which country does it happen? Like the state house of assembly here, they can talk to the state house of assembly, they can come up with their duty. Well, my parents buy expensive car for them, while workers are still owing many months without payment. How will they live for Brussels? We must be out our leaders to begin to respect the electorate. So they will cease to rain. I want to say this, we look at they cannot even control security. Imagine, imagine that our leaders are buying 500 million, 200 million cars, the National Assembly. But our citizen are driving with by them. Even if there's a rapid response, an urgent response, we don't have it. They go in this country. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, comrade. Thank you for your thoughts. Hello. Hello. Thank you for calling. Good evening. Hello? Yeah, tell us your name and join the conversation, please. My name is Chukudi. Well, listening, Chukudi. Yes, um, I want to appreciate your informed guest. Thank you, um, The issue of um, palliative. 500 billion um, If we are going to do um, plus or minus, things like plateau, like um, 4.8 million citizens, Nigerians living on the plateau, which is even on estimate. Um, I wonder what that money is going to do, even if it is judiciously shared among the populace of um, the state. Um, why not the federal government? Forget about this issue of sharing money because it's just like the APC is just known by this particular mantra and this um, form of governance of sharing money. You can never, never build an economy coming out to share money to the people. You are, you are actually making the uh, 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 increasing the inflation because the much more money you are going to lose to the people, money in their hands is going to pursue very few commodities in the market. I don't know if they have economic thing. As a layman that I am, I understand that if money is in circulation, in essence, it's actually going to make um, the, 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 the economy of that nation go into inflation. Even though Nigeria is already in inflation, inflation is over 24% now. Now, why not we go and make sure that we build the refinery? The question I keep on asking is this. Why is it that government after government and after government again do not want to fit this particular refinery? Understanding that this, is, this refinery is going to create a lot of jobs, it's also going to make some Nigerians also sell out their crude and even the refined product to other countries and then have this dollar we are looking for. So I I, I seriously don't think that this APC government is actually out for leadership. I, I don't understand the, the, the national concern behind sharing money. You see, to, tomorrow, Bahari's government is giving you trust money, is giving you um, social investment program, school feeding program that, that doesn't have any effect on the people. It is just a way of opening an institution for corruption. I think they should report this particular issue of uh, going to share money in states and then go and fix at least one or two refineries and Nigeria should be better off with it. 
that's my take. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you, thank you. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello, good evening. Thanks for calling. We're listening to you. Yes, thank you very much. My name is Eddie Kumar. I'm calling from TT and T Junction. We're listening. Yes, I will comment your guest. You have spoken very, very well. And actually, you have raised something that is happening, especially when you talk about the issue of the northern politics. You see, in the northern Nigerian politics is all about Godfatherism. But when we look at the Godfatherism now, all the Godfathers, they are just doing that based on their own personal interest. Hmm. Because when we see now, we, by the past election that just passed, you see that it's just a game of deceiving each other. I think being Peter Obi and Achiku and Konkoto, they are all in the same team. I think APC will not come back to the, the regime. But it's very, very unfortunate that the northern uh, people are learning and they are getting what they, they, they are doing, which is very, very unfortunate. And lastly, my comment on this issue of sharing of $5 billion by every state, actually, is a very disappointing one from the federal government because that's not the kind of policy we are expecting. We are expecting the government to subsidize one policy, either education or health or one or the other things. But to give $5 billion to a state, whereby at the National Assembly, one person is collecting only $1.5 billion. Naira. So that is that is the balance is not, is not, is, 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 is not balanced. So we are calling on the Barachakala Gulfan. We should use the judiciary as it is. But there is a lot of speculation about this money. Some are saying it's grand or loan. Some are saying that it's given out as palliative. So you see, that means the governor have to uh, understand if it's a loan, you know that you don't expect it to give it out as a palliative. So it is a palliative, that's why it will reach to everybody. But we are calling on the government to use the judiciary and the kind of trust the people give to Barisakala Burma. I am getting hope that you will not disappoint the people. And lastly, we are calling him to pay on salary because salary is what will ginger the people as this kind of future we are in. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you, Gilbert. Dimas Bala on Facebook says if the five billion era palliative will be judiciously used, I think it will help a little to cushion the effect. Clement Dambi says, I want to commend the efforts of Governor Mutfang for making efforts towards revamping the Operation Rainbow and also the transport system in the state. Albert Dagza says, being that the five billion era is partly a grant and partly a loan, I won't subscribe to sharing or buying of food to share to people with this money. Omar Dan Matthew says, Nigeria needs a visionary leader who will build a new refinery since the old refineries are irreparable. Baturi Simon David says, In order for us to really tackle the issue of insecurity in Plateau State, we must bring back Operation Rainbow. The importance of Operation Rainbow to Plateau State cannot be overemphasized. Mm. Hapsin Manasseh says, I would, like to, I would like the governor to use the 5 billion era palliative uh, to help those who have been displaced by the activities of banditry. Choose the Tony says, I sincerely doubt how many families in Plateau State will make it to this affirmation to billionaire. My brothers in the studio, if Mr. Governor injects this money into transportation, those men riding keke and taxi to sustain their families, they will definitely be out of business if government floods the entire state with his vehicles. Joang G. Palm says, I want you to rephrase the earlier statement you made that at the end, what you say 
does not matter. My brother, what you are doing is more than even some short sermons. Okay, thank you. Prince Jig says, um, the money should be invested in rejuvenating back farm to create employment. Comrade Dawes Longa says, the best thing the government of Plateau State will do to the people is to use the 5 billion naira palliative judiciously in some key areas that will benefit all the citizens. Cyprian Mafia says, my opinion to this is that instead of sharing cash to the people, it is better for him to revamp the industries and companies that have been redundant, which will create job opportunities for the youth. Sunday Moses Avi says, I don't th- think Labour Party and PDP need a merger to wrestle power from this failed APC government. Nigerians have rejected APC, but they forced their way on us. Ishaku Julius ED says, It's obvious that the masses are just the target in this administration, but with the help of our, our able governor, things will flourish just like other states Amen. because Zulum is a great man. <laughs> Lastly, Amasudu Joachim Doom says the revamping of Operation Rainbow is long overdue. So I won't say anything until it's up and running. Again, I ask you, Mr. Ponsak and Gilbert, what is the latest update on the suspension of newly employed civil servants in Plateau State? <laughs> well, uh, lots of... Well, uh, Paul Gendry, please go ahead and give your concluding thoughts. You, you know, the I, I expect... They said it wasn't. It was suspended. That is one, uh-huh. and I know that a committee was formed. I don't know what the report of the committee is. It's just for us to go and investigate and know exactly what it says. And if they have the capacity, they should reabsorb these people and get them paid, since they have been able to get the oust out the ghost workers from and, and they saved five hundred million. Nah, from from that, so I believe it's it's good for us to it's good for the government to really look at that because there are people dependents that saw that as an opening mm. for their growth, yeah, and uh, uh, it's squashed a bit. So there there are a lot of things. So advisors that and people from that committee need to really really look at this thing. And since they have done their work, they should speed up processes and people should know what their fate is. Well, thank you very much, Paul Gendry Woodyama, for yes, always sir. availing us your time and thoughts and expertise uh, analysis. Uh, thank you. Gilbert. Really interesting. Um, 13 years after, NYC orientation program has resumed in Bruno State. Hmm. Um, that's really a huge milestone for Governor Zulum yes. and the people of Bruno. Hmm. Good evening. I mean, that is, you know, that is the governor with the heart. <laughs> you know, I don't. I I'm a pragmatist. You know, I don't care how fantastic your ideas are. On Just paper. to add to you about Zulum, he went to the Japanese embassy about uh, a month ago, trying to get a, a new project for fuel fusion for his state. That is what leaders should do. Should do. <laughs> My name is Ponsak. I have the news to come. You at about the hour six o'clock. Have a good evening. Bye now. Thank you for listening to JFM Podcasts.